Blog Talk Radio. Brainwashing is the process of pressuring someone into adopting radically different beliefs by using systematic and often forcible means. And what does it mean to brainwash someone? Well, it is a forcible indoctrination to induce someone to give up basic political social or religious beliefs and attitudes and to accept contrasting regimented ideas. It also means persuasion by propaganda or salesmanship. So how is someone brainwashed? Well, it occurs when their abusive partner has made them believe so many things that aren't true. Another word is gaslighting. It occurs when their abusive partner has made them believe so many things that aren't true. They no longer know what is real. They are effectively a prisoner in their own life, not being allowed to do anything or even to think on their own terms. What are brainwashing techniques? Brainwashing, also called coercive persuasion, is the systematic effort to persuade non-believers to accept a certain allegiance, command, or doctrine. A colloquial term, it is more generally applied to any technique designed to manipulate human thought or action against the desire, will, or knowledge of the individual. Another word for Brainwashing is persuasion or inducement. What are the effects of brainwashing? Brainwashing is said to reduce its subject's ability to think critically or independently, to allow the introduction of new unwanted thoughts and ideas into their minds, as well as to change their attitudes values, and beliefs. How do you resist brainwashing? Well, know yourself. All too often we don't take the time to know ourselves well. Know yourself. Have a vision for yourself. Think and be curious. Be open but stay grounded. Brainwashing or mind control is a very insidious doctrine that is found in the word of God. And it is a very old 
doctrine. It is found in the word of God. It is found in the book of Exodus. I want to read to you Exodus chapter 1. Now, in the Greek, I should say in the Hebrew, uh, the word Exodus does not appear. In the Hebrew, the word is samat, or names. And here we have the high point of Hebrew redemptive history. Now, in uh, the book of Exodus, we will encounter two different pharaohs, Seti. Seti is the first pharaoh that we encounter. He is the pharaoh of the oppression of the people of God, that is, of the Hebrews. He is the founder of the 19th dynasty from 1305 to 1290 B.C. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, we have the death of Seti I, Seti I. The, uh, the pharaoh after Seti is Ramesses II. He is the pharaoh of the Exodus from 1290 B.C. to 1224 B.C. And so the events contained within the book of Exodus occur in the late Bronze period, in 1500 to 1200 B.C., uh, when the people of God entered the land of Palestine. So, this is what we read in Exodus chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, which reads, These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Or Mitzriam. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. This was 1700 B.C. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. In other words, they became strong beyond measure. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. This is a very interesting verse. And uh, verse 9 quotes this pharaoh. He says, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become too much, much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So, this pharaoh needed to secure the northeast frontier. And his insidious design was as follows. Verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses, Astor cities, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked 
them ruthlessly. So the adverb ruthlessly in Hebrew is parak. And parak is a is also is a masculine noun. It means harshness. It means cruelty. And it is from a root word meaning to break apart or to crush with severity. So was this particular pharaoh one of the shepherd kings from the Greek islands, or was he one of the, the Hiscops, the Hissocks, from 1700, who ruled in Egypt from 1700 to 550 BC? So this was their plan against the people of God. In verse 14, we read, they made their lives bitter with hard labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. Again, we have the word perek. So, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, this was the birthing technique in that day. They used a delivery stool, which was gravity friendly for the women to give birth. If it is a boy, kill him. But if it but if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. And Pharaoh gave order, gave this order to all his people, every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile. Or in the Hebrew, it means in the direction of the Nile. To let every girl live. So, Exodus chapter 1 is highly political. And what is interesting uh, in the text, in the original, is that they, they talk about the Hebrew people like they were they were fruitful like healthy trees, and they multiplied, or they, they increased like fishes. And so uh, they were a political threat in the eyes of Pharaoh. And so, uh, therefore, they were, were reduced to, uh, the Hebrews were reduced to state slaves. And they were used on projects in the Nile Delta. And so there is a self-preservation motif that we see uh, that comes from Pharaoh. And then there is a divine equation uh, of what God is doing. 
there is state-ordered genocide of uh, the Hebrew male babies. So I just want you to get a sense of the politics of what is going on here and how the what Seti did to the people of God. What he told his people about the people of God and how he went about this state-sponsored genocide against the people of God. He first had to brainwash his people into his way of thinking about the Israelites. Now notice, we know we have a, a, the name of Joseph in this chapter. Verse 6, now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. It is through Joseph's ministry. It is through how God used Joseph that kept this country, that kept Egypt alive. The Hebrew people were a blessing, but this Pharaoh said he saw them as a threat to his power. And so everyone who wants to brainwash people with racist ideology always creates fear of the others. And they use violence and they use and notice the language in verse 10. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them and they will become uh, or they will become even more numerous. But no matter what they did against the people of God, they could not stop them. And so we see that through the Hebrew midwives and we see through the blessing of God what Pharaoh designed through his brainwashing, through his gaslighting of his own people, God overcame because God knew what was in his heart and God saw and God prepared a leader for his people in the midst of this terrible situation. And that's why in chapter 2, we have the birth of Moses. So this is a very powerful narrative, a very powerful story. This is biblical historiography. This is significant history that you and I need to know, especially in the days in which we live, so that our prayers can be more effective about, so that we can know and understand what brainwashing is and what racist ideology is. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.